0: Well, we're at a great time of worship as we just speak the name of Jesus. Some, there's just something beautiful about those moments where you just allow yourself to pause, to take a deep breath, and just speak the name of Jesus. It just calms our heart. Thanks, team, for leading us this morning. And welcome to the harbor. We're just so grateful you are here. If you're watching online, or maybe you're watching on demand throughout the week, and we're just so grateful that you're a part of this community, that we just believe God is doing something great in us. God is doing something great among us, and we are. I'm just, I, I don't know if you have this sense of feeling, but I just sense that God is up to something in our church. I, I believe that God is up to something in our community. And as we continue to take steps of faith and obedience, as, conti- as we continue to become curious about what God is doing, as we continue to say, God, wh- wh- how, how can you use me? God, wh- what's next? That he will continue to use us and lead us into beautiful and glorious things together. I'm just so excited do you feel that or is that just me does that the, i just no? a couple of you it's okay it could have been the pizza i ate last night but it's i just sense this that god is up to something and so we are just grateful that you're a part of that uh just before we jump into our message i just want to let you know next week we have a, a special guest we have pastor zoa from the village of hope zimbabwe look at that guy look at him. he's awesome Pastor Zoe, I don't know if any of you have met him, but we've been sponsoring and, and partnering with Village of Hope in Zimbabwe uh, for several years now, and just supporting what God is doing in and through them. Just a quick information, they, they serve over 1,800 kids in Zimbabwe, in their area, in their community. 60 of those kids actually live on residence, so they live on site and they care for them. They, have, they employ over 80 residents to care, to educate, and share the love of Jesus, and they have these four pillars. They focus on education. They focus on health care, feeding programs, and family-focused shelter. And I had a chance to meet him last fall when he was in town. And uh, honestly, he just loves Jesus. He loves the local church. He loves what he gets to do. And he is just so grateful for our partnership with them that allow them to continue to serve people. So I want to encourage you to be here next week. He's going to give us a little bit of an update on what's been happening at the Village of Hope and and how our our contributions and our uh, partnership has made a difference. And then he's going to continue on our series of Beatitudes, talking about blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. So it is going to be a great, great Sunday. You do not want to miss it. You want to be in the house next Sunday. I know it's a long weekend, but you want to be in the house next Sunday, all right? All right, so let's go. We're continuing in our series called The Beatitudes, and we're in week three of this series. And this is really a countercultural way of living that Jesus is introducing to his followers here. Sort of as he starts his ministry, he kind of finds himself uh, on this mount, and he's got thousands of people that have surrounded him, and he offers this teaching in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. If you haven't had a chance to read it, you can do that. called the Sermon on the Mount. And really it's where he lays out the foundation of kind of his ministry in his life. And then, he, then for the next, uh, the next several chapters in Matthew, it's now him living out the principles that he taught. And the very first part of that sermon is what is called as the Beatitudes. It's, the, it's, it's these eight principles, these eight lessons that are sort of the foundation to everything. And so we started talking about that. And each statement goes against the language, of our com- the common language of our culture. It went against the common language of the culture then, right? It was sort of a shock therapy, like he flipped the script on what they were expecting him to say. And it actually goes against their culture today, doesn't it? Nothing's really changed. The way he teaches in this theology, this thinking, it challenges us, doesn't it? It challenges us to the core. And so we are leaning into this and we're asking, okay, God, what do you want to speak to us today as we follow in your footsteps, as we continue to journey with Jesus. And so if you have your YouVersion Bible app, you want to follow along, I think the notes are there. Uh, we do our best to put them every week. If not, you can just take notes the old-fashioned way. Pen and paper, it's always good for you. Someone told me that a pen never forgets. Someone said that. That's a good thought, eh? How many people are like, I'll remember that. I don't need to write it down. 20 minutes later, what was that again? You know, a pen never forgets. Anyway, that's your here. here. So here's the big idea that we're going to rustle through today, and this idea of that there is power in meekness that can transform your life. That's is kind of this big idea I want you to think about. There's power in meekness that has the ability to transform your life. So let's jump into our scripture for today. Starting in Matthew 5, verse 1, we're going to do a little bit of a recap, and then we're going to jump into today's text. It says, Now Jesus saw the crowds, and he went up on the mountainside, and he sat down. And his disciples came to him and he began to teach them, right? So he began to teach them this sermon that we now call the Sermon on the Mount. And he said, blessed are those... Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We talked about that week one. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And we, we see this pattern developing here where he's using this word blessed, or this word happy, which is more than just connected to the happenings. We're not just happy because of the happenings of the situations around us. It's actually is something much deeper. It's something much deeper. Deeper, it's this joy that cannot be removed. It's just joy inside of us that cannot be, that is not uh, indicative, indicative is the word we're looking for, indicative of our happenings. And so he's speaking about this internal joy, this happiness, this blessedness. And then he goes on, he says, for theirs is, for yours is, which means that there's something that Jesus wants us to receive. There's, There's more on the table that he wants us to a, be aware of that. We don't have to work for it, but we receive what has already been given to us. And so this pattern follows all eight of these beatitudes. And it goes in today. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And the message version of Matthew 5.5, 5, it says, blessed are, uh, you are blessed when you're content. The, the word content, you're content with just who you are. No more and no less. That's the moment you find yourself proud owners, I love this, of everything that cannot be bought. Listen, when you find contentness, you, that's where you find blessingness. Or the Living Bible says, "Meek, the meek and the lonely are fortunate. Why? Because the whole world belongs to them. They, they see something, they know something that others don't understand. What is that? That there's power in meekness. There's power in Meekness. Well, let's just talk about this word. What is meek? Meek isn't a popular word. It's not one that we generally use to describe one another. You know, you don't hear someone say, "Hey, hey, you know, Chris, man, he is meek." You know, we don't we don't say that. We we never. I've never heard anybody describe me like that. Maybe maybe that's a problem. But I've never said that. We never say, "Hey, you know, Michelle, man, her meekness was on full display today." unbelievable. We, we never talk like that, do we? We don't, we don't put in your job description. My boys were working on a job description, uh, not a, a resume, you know. And You don't put meekness as one of your attributes or one of your characteristics on a, on a resume. We, we don't do that. We don't use that word in our life. We, we don't see it. We don't use it day to day. But it is a Jesus word. And it's actually a word that Jesus uses to describe himself, right? Jesus used the word meekness to describe himself. So if he is meek, then, you know, as his followers, we probably want to figure out what that is, don't we? We want to learn what that looks like. We see in Matthew 11, Jesus is, is talking to his followers of Jesus, his followers in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28. And he says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will, what, give you rest. And he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, what is he referring to this yoke? Because we talk about the yoke of an oxen, and that's a different, don't be unequally yoked. This is not what he's talking about. The yoke, remember, Jesus is a rabbi. Okay, he's a Jewish rabbi, and Jewish rabbis wore these shawls, and they were like colorful patterns, and they they were called a yoke. They were it was this yoke, and if you were a disciple of that rabbi, you would take the yoke of that rabbi upon you, and you would learn from that rabbi, and that yoke represented the interpretation of scripture their way of seeing the scripture and living out the scripture. That was their yoke, their interpretation of scripture. So Jesus, a rabbi, speaking to his followers, speaking to his disciples, says, take my yoke right upon you and learn from me. And then he goes on to say, for I am gentle. Now the New, the new King James Version uses meek in that context, which is from the same root word, root, root word, Greek word, and I'm humble and lowly in heart. I'm humble in heart. And you will find rest, for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, this is this beautiful passage of scripture that Jesus is having with his disciples. See, the Jewish tradition turned the Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses on Mount Sinai. I remember this part of the story where Moses and or God rescued the, uh, the Israelites from Egypt, and they are kind of wandering in the desert, and they've never been a nation before. They don't have rules to guide them as a nation. They're kind of nomads. They're kind of making up the rules as they go, and so God appears to Moses in the, in, you know, on Mount Sinai, and he writes on these tablets these Ten Commandments to help govern this, this new nation, and so the Jewish people, in order to protect those Ten Commandments, created six Hundred and thirteen commandments, 316 rules to follow in order to protect the Ten Commandments. Can you talk about a burdensome yoke, right? Talk about a burdensome yoke. And Jesus is speaking to them and saying, listen, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. What's Jesus' His greatest commandment? He says all the commandments, all the commandments of the Old Testament rest on these two commandments. What were they? Like? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, your strength. And what's the second? to love your neighbor as yourself. Listen, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Just love me with everything you have and love people like you want people to love you. Like love people with your heart and your soul and your strength. Listen, this is is what Jesus is speaking, which is telling us, listen, God's meekness, what does it do? It leads to rest. When we can embrace the meekness of God, we can experience rest. Have you ever noticed that the angriest people the angriest people are the most exhausted people. Have you ever noticed that? You're talking about the angriest people in your life, the people that are never happy. They're always, they're always complaining about something. They're always exhausted. And they're exhausting, right? Let's be honest, right? You just are exhausted, hanging around. You're like, man, oh man. Not, is everything horrible? Is everything bad? Is everything going wrong? It's exhausting. And Jesus is saying, listen, there's something about it. You find someone who is eaten up in bitterness, you show me someone who's eaten up in bitterness, and I'll show you someone who's not sleeping at night. Like, come on. There's rest that Jesus wants us to receive. There's rest that He wants us to know when we can understand the power of meekness. You with me? So, what is meekness? Let's break this down a little bit. If you were to Google meekness, if meekness, if you're gonna go to Webster's Dictionary or, or look for a dictionary online, you'd probably find. A definition that goes along like this quiet and gentle, easily imposed on and submissive. (laughs) Doesn't sound too, doesn't sound like something you want to aspire to. I don't want to be easily opposed on. I, I don't want to be submissive in the sense that I'm beat into submission. And this is how people view Jesus, right? This is how sometimes even our, 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 our depictions of Jesus, even in some movies, can he's just flighty. He's just easily posed on. He's, he's gentle. And these aren't great. These are good words. Gentle is a beautiful word, but in the wrong context, it gives a wrong image. This, this modern-day English translation grossly misrepresents the original meaning of that day. And here's something you need to know. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not Weakness, meekness in the context that Jesus is talking about, is is not a doormat, this is not passive, it's not a pushover, it's not a coward, it's not fragile, it's not lazy, it's not sluggish. Meekness is not defeatism, nor it's timidity. It's, It's none of those things. Meekness, and according to what Jesus said, in the words that Jesus used, meekness, according to Scripture, is strength under control. Meekness... Is strength under control? It, it, it is submitted or surrendered power. If you do the study in the Greek word, the Greek word is praose. Pra, praose. And, and this Greek word is the same word that they used for meekness, but it's the same word they use to describe a stallion or a war horse. And, and you know, like if, if I'm not, I, I've only ridden a horse a few times in my life, but I do admire them from a distance, and there's just something about horses, especially stallions. I remember going to my aunt's house when her, her nephew on the other side was, was breaking in a stallion, a black stallion. And I remember sitting as a, you know, a 10 or 12 year old on the outside watching this process take place and the strength of this young male stallion and just watching the power that it contained. Right? There's a reason why we name our Mustangs after horses. There's something powerful, majestic about the strength that they possess. And there's this, it speaks to this military or this war horse that runs into battle, charging in with guns blazing and fire and explosion, but running into battle. There's something strong and, and, and mighty about this, even the way they breathe. You know, like they just. They're just it's, nostrils and spit coming out of their noses and just there's just something majestic about them come on now you we all know this right it's not it's not easily opposed upon no 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 the strength muscular strong see in addition to the strength and this battle ready these these horses were born they were bred for military purposes they were they were battle ready they were extremely powerful this is the word pray i'll say that that jesus is using when he talks about blessed are the the meek come on these eat these strong strong military horses war horses but in addition to their strength this in addition to this raw strength they were highly trained and obedient to the rider's command listen they were they were under obedient they were broken into obedience under the rider's command so this word pray i'll say It means broken, submitted, surrendered. It's it's being led for purpose. It's under the reins of the master. Meekness is strength under control. It's strength under control. This this word implies a complete lack, right? It's a complete lack of self-pride and and self-concern. And it suggests that putting oneself below others is an act of, of servanthood. It's looking for the needs of others versus serving our own needs. And knowing this... We understand that meekness actually requires a huge amount of strength, doesn't it? To be meek requires a huge amount of strength, sacrifice, and maturity to actually live this out. This is not something we just stumble into, all right? This is not just something that accidentally happens. There is something that we have to do and nurture in order to live this meek life see, I was thinking about this a little bit this week as we were preparing to talk, and there's these two ideologies of meekness, especially when you use the, 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 word, the culture's word of, of gentle and easily opposed upon. And I had this image of a feather, you know, this, this feather that just kind of floats with the wind. And it's, it just goes with the flow, and it's just fluttering along, and it's, just, it's not going to make a difference. It's not going to be heavy. It's not going to be harsh. It's just going to go where it goes. It's, it's just going to flutter along, and a lot of people think as Christians... That's the way we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be gentle. We're supposed to be meek. We just flutter along. We, just, we don't make an issue. We don't cause ruffles. We don't make a mess. We just flutter along. We just go with the flow. You know, anyone understand? We've been there, right? And we don't like this. If you're, a, if you're a Jesus, a follower, if you follow the ways of Jesus, you don't see that necessarily in Jesus. And so, and this is this ditch, this ditch of this sort of, we're just gonna be gracious. We're just gonna be all grace. And this is, I, I feel like there's this ditch that we fall into in this one side of the road and this all grace ditch and this flutter and just go with the flow. And a lot of us, we rebel against this ideology or this thinking because we don't want to be like fluttery and floofy and just go with the flow. We want to let people know the truth, right? And so we we trade in our feather for a hammer. And we are, you're going to know the truth. And the truth shall set you free, right? And we want to beat people over with the truth. But what happens is we leave one ditch (laughs) and we aggressively fall into the other. Like, this is what happens, right? It's, and we want to be all truth. And we, we live in this, re, this, this hammer approach to our thinking and our, our ideology and our philosophy and our theology of, of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus. But what happens, is, here's what I've learned, is that the Christ view, Christ definition of meek is, the, is both the hammer and the feather surrendered. It's grace and truth working together. Think about a feather. Think about a feather when it's, when it's working in tandem, when it's working in purpose. A feather has the ability to allow an eagle to soar on the wind, to soar, the power to control the wind, to harness the wind, to soar and to fly. And, 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 and just amazing, you even see some of the, the, the vultures or, you know, that you see around here just soaring in the currents of the wind. There's something majestic about the power of their feathers, but it seems so simple by themselves. And then you also see the power of a hammer that can build and, just, and resurrect a, a surrendered hammer, a submitted hammer can construct and build places for people to dwell and to abide. There's, there's strength in the surrender of the feather to purpose and the hammer to purpose. So they're not bad of themselves, but when you use them in isolation, when you use them for your own will, they become damaging. And so Jesus wants to say, listen, there's no greater power than surrender. There's no greater power than meekness under control. That's where power is truly found. So how do I receive this? If this is what God is asking me to do, how do I receive this? Well, his brother James says in James one twenty one, he says, therefore, lay aside all the filthiness and the, I love this phrase, the overflow of wickedness. It got me thinking. You know, we, we have this phrase or this statement that we say we want to lead people into an overflowing relationship with Jesus. But it got me thinking that we actually overflow something. The inner life is, your, your life is always overflowing something. It's either going to be the power of God the, and the, the fruits of the Spirit, evidence in relationship with Jesus, or it's going to be, as James says, wickedness, right? Selfishness. The, the enemy of God, the, the opposite, the anti of God, the, the opposite of who he is. And so you and I get to choose for ourselves, what do we want to overflow of our life? What do we want the impact of our life to actually be? To, to push people away, to be, to be self-serving, or to be... Christ-centered. So to lay aside all the filthiness of our life and the overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the imparted word which is able to save your soul. So really quickly, we got to keep it on moving. Three things that, Jesus, that James says we need, to, we need in order to receive meekness in our life. One, we need a repentant heart. We need a repentant heart. We need to be strong enough to say, I was wrong. Like, I, I, like that takes a lot of strength. You know, you know if you're meek or not, that you have the ability to, 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 to apologize to your wife. Like, you have the ability to apologize, not justify your actions, right? Not to prove why, you know, why, what she did caused you to do what you did, right? But just apologize, recognize where you're wrong. Or how about apologizing to your 10-year-old son because you went off, you let your emotions take over. Do you have the ability to repent in heart, to humble yourself and to apologize? Like that takes strength, doesn't it? It takes strength. As a guy, I know that takes a lot of strength cuz we're proud. We kind of justify our actions sometimes, but it takes an immense amount of strength to humble ourselves to recognize our mistakes and to say that we were wrong. It takes a lot of strength to receive forgiveness, but it takes a lot of strength in order to release forgiveness to those who've wronged you. Like this isn't just this isn't just being wishy-washy. This is a hammer under control, submitted into control to recognize that I have, I have to humble myself and it's a repentant heart. It takes strength. I'm going to surrender my, the feather and the hammer of my life to God, to the Father, to His work or to His plan. I'm going to repent. The second thing is a receptive spirit. We need this ability to receive. Uh, we need to be open to listen. This is openness to listen, but more than that, it's a willingness to hear and to receive. It's a willingness to hear and receive direction and correction. All right? again, it takes a lot of strength to submit yourself to this process, to receive both the direction and correction. I'm going to do the hard work. I believe this is like saying, I'm going to do the hard work of tilling the soil of my heart. I'm going to do the hard work of digging up some of the, the clay and the hard soil that has become really hard for any fruit of the Spirit to grow in me. I, I have a receptive spirit. The thirdly that leads to a responsive life. So I could be a doer of the word. I'm going to allow God and God's people to help nurture the seeds of life planted in my heart. I'll, I want to be responsive. I want to do what is necessary. I don't want to just be a hearer of the word, but I want to be a doer of the word. And this is what it takes, not just to be meek, but really to grow in Christ, period, right? To grow in, in, in all the attributes and all the fruits of the spirit. We need all of these things, a repentant heart, a receptive spirit, and a responsive Life, but as we open up our heart, as we till the soil of our heart, we get to see the fruits of God planted in our lives, and ultimately we get to reap the rewards of meekness. And so, really quickly, what are these these rewards of meekness that you and I get to receive? This to inherit the earth that that Jesus is talking about. Well, in in Psalms twenty five, David he says this. He says he, referring to God, guides the humble in what is right, and he teaches them his way. There is this idea that God is guiding us along if we submit ourselves to his path. And so one of the benefits and one of the rewards of living a meek life, one of the inheritance that we will receive, is that we get to live with an uncommon security. You and I get to live with this uncommon security. uh, Hebrews 6.19 says, we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. What what is this hope that we have? This hope is that we don't have to defend ourselves. Listen, we don't have to defend ourselves. We have this hope that's firm and secure. We don't have to defend ourselves. I was thinking this morning as I was processing this thought, I was thinking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these three Hebrew young adults that were taken from Israel into Babylon as as kind of prisoners of war. And and if you haven't read their story or don't know their story, you can find it in, in the Old Testament in the book of Daniel Chapter three it talks about this story, but they're in front of this king named Nebuchadnezzar, and he was the kind of the he was the the, the big power, right? He was the mighty and of that day. He would, the, Babylon was the was the dominating nation of that time, and he was the king. and He had erected an image, and he wanted everyone to bow to him. and These three Hebrew boys that were well respected, there were reasons why they were handpicked because they were they saw the potential of these young leaders, and they just refused to bow. They refused to bow when everyone else bowed to this golden idol, which, or really to this king, because they already had a God. And they were brought into the king's presence, and there was this little bit of bantering going back and forth, and the king kind of nebicaned, and says, why aren't you bowing when everyone else bows? What is going on? We're going to put you in a furnace, right? The fiery furnace. We're going to throw you, we're going to kill you if you don't bow. And I love the response. The response to, is found in, in Daniel 3. says, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Like, think about the goal, you know? Talk about the courage that these three Hebrew, three Hebrew slaves from a conquered nation in front of the most powerful man in the known world, they say with courage, we don't have to defend ourselves before you in this way. What did they know that you and I need to know? Hebrews talks about this idea, or Paul talks about this idea to Timothy. It says that we have, there is one God and one what? Mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. You and I have a mediator who's mediating between us and God. We don't have to defend ourselves in front of the cult, the the gods of this world or the powers of this world. We don't have to bow to the request, but we can stand confidently and respectfully, both as a feather and a hammer, in truth and in grace, and say, you know what? I don't have to fight for this right now. I have an uncommon security that is found in the hope of Christ, the mediator of Jesus, who is making a way that I don't see. He's making a path that I don't necessarily know right now, but I trust in his sovereignty. I trust in the security that is found in him. That's the first thing you and I get to receive, and that sounds pretty good. Who could use a little uncommon security today? Come on, we could all use a little bit of uncommon security found in the hope of Christ. The second thing we get to live in is is a higher perspective. We get to live with this higher perspective. Proverbs 1, 5 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Listen, when we understand that we have a mediator, when we understand that we live in uncommon security, when we understand that we don't have to defend ourselves, it means we can change the tone of our words. We don't have to live like a hammer all the time but we can submit our hammer to the hands of God. We don't have to live like a feather, though, either. We can submit our feather to the hands of God, and we can live in truth and grace. See, it's always been true, but I believe now more than ever, tone speaks louder than words. Tone speaks louder than words. It's not just what you say, but it's how you say what you say that often stirs up strife and actually adds fuel to a fire. Think about your relationships, think about your family, think about that dynamic. It's not always what you say, but most importantly, it's how you say what you say that causes the thing to blow up because we're not listening, we're speaking, but we're not conversing. And when we talk like that, as Jesus followers, I love a John Maxwell. John Maxwell is a leadership coach, kind of recognized worldwide as sort of the, the, the guru of leadership, both in the church and in the, in the business sector. And he says as leaders, when you're a leader, you see more and before. That's what it means to be a leader. It means you see more than those who are are following you see, and you see before they see. That's what John Maxwell says. And I believe that 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 same principle applies to us as followers of Jesus. As followers of Jesus, we see more than what others see, and we see before others see. Meaning we know how the story ends. We know where this world is going. We understand that it's just going to get harder before it gets easier. There's no political party. There's no political leader that's going to make it better. We know this. It's only going to get better when Jesus returns for a church without spot or wrinkle. For his bride, for you and I. So we don't have to get lost in the petty arguments that are just temporal. They're just momentary. They're fleeting. But we have a higher, we have an uncommon perspective. We have a higher perspective. We see more and before. We don't have to get lost in fetal arguments on social media. We don't have to get in debates with, about different people about what they view and what they don't view or political negativity. And it's, it's honestly, it's disgusting. It drives me crazy, especially as followers of Jesus. We're better than that. We see more and before. Right? We just embrace this meekness, which is not weakness, but it's power, strength. Under control, I love, that. We, just because you can does not mean you should, right? All things are beneficial, but not all, all things are permissible, right? But not all things are beneficial. You can say that. I don't know if it's going to help you, though. Right? You, you can, you do you, you have the right to say what you want to say on, on your Facebook platform. But I don't know if it's going to be beneficial. I don't know if it's going to be beneficial to you, to our church, to our community or to the capital C church around the world. I don't know. Do you have the right to do it? Absolutely, you have the right to do it. But you also have the right not to do it. All things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. We see more and before. We have a higher perspective. And thirdly, we, have the, we, have, we can live with the supernatural power. We can live with the supernatural power. I love Galatians 5.22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit, remember when we till the soil of our heart, the, the seeds of life get planted into our heart, right? Get planted into our life, and then we get to live with this supernatural power. And Galatians 5 says the fruit of the Spirit, there's all these different fruits of the Spirit, but he, he ends with these two, is gentleness, which is the same root word, pernaeus, it's the same root, root word as meek, and self-control. Listen, you can have love and joy and peace and greatness and goodness and kindness and all these other, but, it, but if you don't have gentleness and self-control, it's on an all for naught, really listen, you need to have all of these things evident in your life. We can live with this supernatural power. And I don't know about you, but I cannot be meek or gentle consistently without the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I can't. I can't live in self-control consistently without the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I can have moments, right? Right? These little, these little windows, these little splashes, and I can have these little moments, and, and they're beautiful in themselves. But if I want to live this out the way that Jesus told us to live this out in order to inherit the earth, I need the supernatural power of Jesus evident in my life every day. That's why Jesus tells us in John 15 that apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm the vine, right? You are the branches. You cannot do anything apart from me. You can't sever yourself from me and expect to produce life-giving fruit. It just It's impossible. So we get to experience this. And it all points down to this idea that meekness, I believe this, meekness is the abiding place for my provision. Meekness is the abiding place. It's where I can live to receive provision for my life. Provision for my soul, provision for my strength. And from all accounts, this is the place that Mother Teresa, many of us know the name, the reputation of Mother Teresa. This is the place that she lived. She abided in this idea of meekness. She didn't didn't worry about her own provision, but she worried about the provision of others. She discovered that the power of meekness is found in the surrendered life. The power of meekness is found in a surrendered life. It's not fluttering with grace like a feather, and it's not being dominant in truth by a hammer, but it's taking these things and putting them into submission to a surrendered God. At some point in her life, before she passed, she, she jotted down these thoughts of what it actually looks like practically to live a meek or humble life. And I tell you what, I was reading through this this week and I realized, ooh, there's a few little ouch statements in here. But I want to encourage you to listen and to maybe evaluate your life and maybe what, even one step today that you could take in order to move towards living a meek life. She says this, speak as little as you possibly can about yourself. Meekness. Keep busy with your own affairs, not the affairs of others. Meekness. Accept small irritations with good humor. Meekness. Accept being forgotten and disregarded with ease. Meekness. Do not dwell on the faults of others. Be courteous and delicate, even when someone provokes you, meekness. Do not seek to be admired or loved, meekness. Give in in discussions, even when you're right, meekness, grace, truth Choose always the more difficult task. I don't know, when you read that or hear that, I don't know if you can say, yeah, I do that, yeah, I do that. I think all of us can be challenged with that type of approach to life. To what it actually looks like as a husband, or as a wife, as a father, as as a friend, as an employer, as an employer, as a mother, to embrace a meek life, to inherit the promises of God. See, this is difficult. This isn't easy, remember, Jesus was flipping the script He was teaching a a counter-cultural way, which means we do not default to this approach to life. We don't. The only way this happens is through a daily decision, a discipline activated in your life. It's difficult to live out these beatitudes, but here's the question that helps us frame all of this and gives purpose all of this, is what world are you living for? Are you living for this world, the here and now, or are you living for the then and there? Are you living for the future world that we have with Christ? What is, what takes the focus of your life? Are you living for the present or are you living for the eternal? And if you and I can get our focus on the eternal, if we can get our focus fixed on the then and there, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but it will become easier, right? because we recognize we're not making a deposit in an earthly deposit bank. We're making deposits in an investment that we've yet to receive, that we're gonna receive one day on the other side of death. So Mother Teresa knew this. She knew that this wasn't her own. That's why she was able to live with such a reputation and such a selfless life, a surrendered life to God. So here's the question you and I have to ask today is, what about us? What about me? What about you? Are we ready to discover the power of meekness in our life today? Are we ready to live that out? Once again, meekness isn't weakness, but it's surrendered. It's strength surrendered to the power of God. Let's pray. Father, we recognize today that this is tough. Father, we recognize that your teachings, though are hopeful, aren't always easy. And this one of living a meek life, of surrendering our self, our will and our emotions, and our temperament, to take control of those things and submit them under to your authority and to your hand and to your direction does not come naturally. And so, God, in this moment, I pray that as every one of us now, we're even just thinking through those little areas of our life. We're thinking through those situations or those interactions. Those areas that just need a little bit more focus and a little more attention. Those areas that maybe are not submitted or surrendered under the grace of God. God, we, as we think about those things today, God, we surrender them to you. We recognize, Father, that it's only by the power of your Holy Spirit at work in us that any of us have a chance to live a meek life. And so, God, I pray you would help us take steps today and tomorrow and throughout the week to live a life that better reflects your way and your words, that makes you famous. And like Mother Teresa and many, many others who have chosen this way, God, may may the reputation of our lives bring you glory. May the reputations of our life draw people towards you. I pray this in your precious name.